Geek Shock. Geek Shock. Andy, you can check uh, no, 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 no. Oh, there you, you see his text message like, oh, you guys have fun without me. I'm like, shut the fuck that up. That poor kid. Oh, and then he got like aggro. He was like, y'all can't play deck building games. You're no good at them. <laughs> I know. Like, like what, what is this? I must have hit a nerve with the whole new phone who dis. You know oh, my God. He chose to be out of town. This is on him. There you don't, go. Don't Pursuing his hobby. Yes. Right, Jeff? Yes. Him and his silly hobby. Yep. Yep. No way he breaks even even. Come on. <laughs> no way. No way. Maybe covers gas money. <laughs> no way out there. Actually, art, actually, art supplies. actually yeah. I uh uh last week when uh before I put up the uh GoFundMe, I was just like, uh dude, you uh you wouldn't happen to have November would you by now? And he's like, November now? Oh shit, what's wrong? And so I'm explaining stuff to him, and he's like, "Yeah." And then, then he, PayPal. It, it it's too much to go into now, but it it it, it was that was a, a ridiculous story on its own. But he was ready, so you know he oh, so he's his, his his hobbies. Uh, you know, it, it's making it rain, Jeffrey. Yeah, he's doing all right. Dropping greens. I will take your word for it. <laughs> Well, that's the, beard, that's, the beard, that's the bearded lady of the carnival there, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Just, I can't believe it. Dude, it's a special I suddenly scale. had a flashback to, to Spaceballs, but Andy was the bearded lady in Spaceballs <laughs> instead of the actual bearded lady. Yeah, that, that was kind of funny. <laughs> That was kind of funny. All right, guys. Jeff. Jeff had a whole cinema I in know, his head. I yeah. Know. He just... Well, no, no, no. That's not cinema. <laughs> Stop it, Scorsese. Scorsese. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Freaking Coppola chiming in, too. I was like, wow. I'm like, I love these guys as filmmakers, but come on. Old old filmies going to rant. Old filmies are going to rant. One day we will, too. I, I did like what James Gunn said in response, though. It's like He's like, you know, many, many years ago, gangster movies and, uh, you know, sci-fi movies and so forth were... were seen as being you know the same thing so maybe it just takes time for people to accept superhero movies as actual cinema i think that dr frankenfurter put it best when he said i didn't make him for you yeah he carries the charles atlas seal of approval there you go welcome folks to geek shock number 510 i am master torgo 80s jeff scorsese k isn't this the director's round table the director's round table. I thought it was. <laughs> Anyways, Maple Leaf Matt. And we're here to talk week and geek. Uh, but before we do, I want to remind everybody that a week from this Saturday. Oh, I'll be there. Don't, don't show up. It is going to be. That's the November the 2nd, Saturday morning at the Vegas Valley Comic Book Festival at uh, the Las Vegas Library there on Flamingo. So I uh, hope to see you there if you are in town. And if not, uh, we're, of course, we're going to record it as long as I shut down the system right and we'll post that at a yeah. later date. Please show up because because they've been kind and they've been giving us grant. They've gradually given us bigger venues, but <laughs> that's that's not going to keep happening if you know if and and I mean you know of yeah. course Biggs will be there, but 
Certainly. And, and Biggs well, is worth five people, but that doesn't fill the there room. Hey, to be fair, people showed up last time. Oh, yes. They, they just showed up late. Like, we were 10 minutes in, and we're like, well, they're going to kick us out yeah, next year because there's only five people in there. And then we got quite a nice crowd. And people so. seem to enjoy the interactivity of Red yes. Light, Green Light, so we will be playing Red Light, Green Light live with the audience as nice. part of the the executives go. as well. Well, See I if, know I won't be. See, if no. you won't could. be because you're running away, bitch. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'll be <laughs> Hotel California. Well, see if uh, <laughs> see if you can find any uh, Scorsese projects coming up that we could red light. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna red light the be. shit out of them. There might be. Yeah, dudes are gonna have opinions. I know. They're, that's fine. I know. I know. It's just it's. Did they even watch the movie? Doesn't matter. Probably not. Probably saw a couple God. of them. I, I I'm trying to remember which director it was that was talking about how. You know, it's like these guys should realize, especially when they got started, how difficult it is to get a movie made these days. And they could have just ended it by saying, it's just not for me, instead of going on to these long diatribes about how it's not real cinema and so forth. Well, so and, and, and I'm like, I would have been fine if they'd said, you know what, it's just not for me. But yeah, to get any movie made this day and and to get the kind of talent that were in those films and will continue to be in those films, is not an easy feat. So I, the thing that actually... Easy feat the, is my dancing name. By yeah. The, way. Uh. Uh, the, the thing that, that gets me is when they would define cinema, they really didn't use a definition no. that is exclusive to cinema. You could use that definition to talk about literature, music, you know, uh, uh, poetry for that matter. God, sculpting, painting, the sure. whole uh, people's feelings and interact. And and that was the thing that kind of bothered me because it was just sort of like, you're not defining what makes cinema its own thing. You're just defining art and, and you're defining a, a type of high art, but you're not defining cinema. And that was the problem I personally had with the commentary. Uh, and then, of course, uh, as you know, we'll we'll do in this uh, spoiler segment. We watch Joker and Scorsese's all over that fucking movie. It was so funny. It's like you know, it's kind of ironic that he made this statement around this time because the most Scorsese of superhero movies has come out, or yeah. supervillain movies, as sure. it is. I mean, at the end of the day, art is something that's very personal to the observer. So it's not going to strike a chord with everybody, but when it does, it's very personal to that. Sure. That individual. So, I mean, it's for some people, it's not for everybody. That's all I can really say. Sure, absolutely. And speaking of Joker, we will be talking spoilers at the end of the show. Uh, for that movie, we have we promised we'd talk spoilers on this episode, so we shall, and we will give you plenty of warning we, before we begin that, should you not wish to be spoiled and haven't seen it yet. But in the meantime, uh, without spoiling Joker's uh, general impressions. Joaquin Phoenix was outstanding. Yeah. That was an amazing performance. Holy crap. What a performance. Yeah. Yeah, even even in the times where the movie was slow, and there were times in that movie that were slow. It was a very, very slow film. His performance. Paid off, though. Yeah. It was a slow burn that paid kept, off. Kept you going. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. say that I loved it, but I really liked it. 
Oh no, I, I, I enjoyed I it. it. I now, I mean, it. I I loved the the cinematography. Mm. I loved the the set work. Um, everything involved in the visual aspects of it, I really really liked that. Um, but the overall film, I'm still kind of on the fence on whether it was the best iteration of the Joker or not. But I really liked it. I, well, yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna go. With that, and we can go in more detail. Sure. At the in the spoiler right. Summit, That's why I'm trying I, to. Yeah, I won't go into myself. who was better. You know. Sure. If, oh wow, you you did finally trump. Uh, no, I, Hedger's all you, all you Joker. Say about but the three of them, they're all different. All three of them are different. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. Yeah, but boy, oh boy, what a performance! And we're yes. we're leaving Just Leto out because right because uh, yes. he is the best one. And we don't want to. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I honestly forgot that he actually did that role. So, um, I was talking about. well, yeah. his his yeah. version was not that memorable. Yeah, well, I'm, the I'm movie not gonna wasn't lie. that memorable. To well, be. well, yeah, yeah I, I still liked it. You know, didn't love it, it but it, I liked it. It's funny. Bits and pieces more about that are coming out. Like uh, there was an article recently about how Leto actually tried to stop, stop. Uh, uh, yeah, this I, this Joker thing. And I don't know how exaggerated that is. Well, though. it's actually um, uh, he's parted ways with like uh, one manager. Yeah, he and, left. Well, he left one management and, agency, CAA, for mm-hmm. um, William Morris. So I think yeah. he, tried, he tried to stop this new Joker movie. He 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 was yeah, and so be, he's, because he's the in the wall. because he's like, oh, the, fuck, I'm. the agencies, uh, the eight, it was the same agency, whole, uh, CAA, uh, okay. handling the talent. And the rumor is that, you know, of course... Treated as such. uh, Yeah, is that uh, he was just like, you've got to stop this. And I don't think it was... I don't know if it was, like, so incredible as much as he just... It interfered with any future Joker work he was going to do. I can't remember... I think it was last week tonight where they talk about um, agents and agencies representing talent. But... uh, Agencies don't always represent the best ind- best interests of the individual clients now. They're looking at a broader picture, and especially a lot of these talent agencies are getting into producing. So the fact that I, CAA, who represented Leto, also represented Todd Phillips, who's the director of Joker, those kinds of conflicts of interest are becoming more and more prevalent in the industry. So now you have... A client that goes to their their agent says, "Hey, this is happening. I don't like this. Um, you know, I feel like my interests aren't being representative." A lot of times, they kind of, you know, placate them for the time being, while they've got all these other deals going right, on. Right. So it's less about making that client or giving that client, you know, a firm, you know, footing in negotiations etc and it's more about how much money is going is going to be brought into the agency overall like okay if we if we get this film greenlit and we represent this person is the agency going to make more money overall by backing phillips and joker or are we going to make more money backing leto and his individual joker product you know project so 
it's a well, very it's a very convoluted mess yeah. now, but it's well, it, fascinating. It, although although in that particular case, I don't a lot of what I've been reading, it doesn't sound sure. like a money thing. I mean, well, the, the, the article I read, it's it said that Leto had actually burned through virtually he, every representation team could have. at CAA. It was like everybody was just pretty much done with him. And uh, it's very possible, yeah, because it was it was uh, the the whole his method routine um, at uh, Suicide Squad. It, I mean, a lot of that is reflective of what it was like dealing with him. The article was saying, and so part of the reason he's at William Morris now is because this was like the final straw for everybody. So CIA and him. So get ready for a brand new Thirty Seconds to Mars World Tour. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, I, and it's funny too because I didn't even like t- terribly hate his joke or anything. I no, thought it was a different take. It too, was just an incredibly it was an incredibly different take. But um, you know, well, we'll get into the spoiler aspects and then we can really talk in depth about what makes this movie. Sure. Any other thoughts though, non spoiler that you want to throw out there? I will throw out one. Um, I thought it was a great movie. I'm not sure I liked it. And I th- think that's kind of what they were going for. I, mm. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was amazing. Uh, at, but at the end, it made me feel really squiggly, and that's what I think they wanted to go for. Yeah, squ- now, squiggly how? Squiggly as in dark, little dirty, mm-hmm. little uh, emotionally drained. Yeah. Definitely. It was funny. You didn't leave the theater wanting to bring the whole system down, like me? <laughs> well, yeah, but you're always like that, Matt. Yeah, so you're primed. <laughs> right. No, it was funny because I, 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 I came <laughs> out of there and I was like, boy, anybody could just go fucking psycho. And I was remembered, and, and which is it's kind of funny because in that movie, actually, it, it's kind of a... Well, never mind. But <laughs> I remembered the line from Killing Joke, which... Ironically, they didn't even use, but the whole "you're one bad day away from being me," and it's just like that's that's kind of what this movie was like. Yeah, and maybe maybe a lot of people were disturbed by that or something. I don't know. Uh, wonderfully so, I think. And I think that's part of Philip's point. Yeah, and that's cinema. That's cinema, my, baby. Uh, my mm-hmm. wife left the movie theater thinking like a lot of parallels to our world. <laughs> it's like I'm looking at her and I'm like. <laughs> Okay. You mean it's it's not a treatise on uh, how how we treat the poor and the uh, mentally ill in this country? Mm. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, so we'll move on to what geeky things you do this week, guys. Well, I saw oh, Joker. Boy. Well, I you saw, did. Let's yeah. talk about that oh, a little bit. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I started leveling a rogue in uh, World of Warcraft Classic. Oh, so you you're not down with Blizzard. You're still on and on. Your, your protest Uh-oh. is over. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Major man is still going strong, but mine is over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Somebody stepped in it. Oops. So you're... Uh, <laughs> well, welcome back to... Uh, I know. All right. <laughs> well, I got thinking to myself, like... Mm-hmm. All uh, these I'm other, bored. You're gonna, if you're, <laughs> <laughs> I'm wow. sitting there thinking, I'm bored. I'm going to log on. You know what? That's perfect. That's perfect, okay? That's exactly what happened. Marco Rubio and, and <laughs> Ocasio-Cortez has more fortitude in the, the Oh, movie. my God. Uh, but Major Matt is still going strong. He's uh, He stands by his principles, unlike yeah. some Canadians I know. Oh, snap. 
Well, you know, that's because Major Matt, he's a libertarian. They have oh, principles. Yeah. Unlike socialism, which just basically rips it out of you and oh, you know, yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Jesus. Uh, How's leveling up your rogue in well, the pro-communist world you live in? <laughs> uh, Are you, you leveling guys, because you because Jing Xiaoping has is, is been like, oh, you need to level. You're a good boy. <laughs> Jing, Jing Xiaoping? No, no Jing, Jing it's, it's, Xi, Xi Jinping. Winnie the Pooh, yes. God yes, dang we, it. Winnie the Pooh. And I've we forgotten got, who it is. We just got banned in China. <laughs> <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Again. Again. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Pooh Winnie Bear. Pooh Bear, yeah. Pooh Bear. They won't know. Oh, yeah. They won't know that's what we mean. Pooh Bear. <laughs> it's, it's great. Uh, World, of War, World of Warcraft Vanilla is what truly... That's the game I love. I don't that's like it. the expansions and all that crap. Sure. So... They lost with the expansion, so I get it. Yeah, it's good. Um, I started putting together my bubble team. Have you? Your bubble team? Blood Bowl oh, oh. team? <laughs> no, I, I haven't. I, sudden I, transition. I didn't know what he said either. I, I heard like, bubble team, too. I was oh, like, oh. Uh, I had an Andy moment. Oh, did yeah. you? Blood Bowl team, the uh, Trudeau black face. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting, the, it's the getting tru- better. The it's Trudeau, getting better. The Trudeau brown faces are. Um, oh my! God. You're gonna re- hit the pitch. You're gonna go with that. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ! Uh, <laughs> I think wow. you should go with Bubble Team at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, it, it was the Green Machine. So I put the orcs together. Oh, so, so. are they all together or just a few? Uh, a few. I got a couple blitzers put together. So, hmm. excellent. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, it's a start. You're further than uh, I am. I know. So yeah. yeah. Well, that's a first. It is kind of kind of on this one. Yeah, it is. How's yeah. yours coming, Kay? Uh, oh yeah, he's, I still haven't given my my uh, orcs turned humans. Yes, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I I I googled Listen. blood bowl orcs turned humans. Nothing came back, so I'm kind of confused. Listen, you're bitching a lot for <laughs> someone who's getting a free team. All right. <laughs> You're bitching a lot. <laughs> Matt, that's your wife talking. <laughs> oh, oh. 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 No. This is all me, men. Okay? You're bitching a lot for someone who's getting a free team. I, you know. Hey. And what'd you do, anyways? Jeffy, <laughs> what'd you do? Uh, I went and saw Zombieland Double Tap today. Ah. It was a lot of fun. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, funny as hell. Um, just a just very well done movie. I, I I thought it was a good follow up to the original. I wasn't sure because it's been so still long looking for since... a Twinkie, is he? Uh, no, that they oh. they've kind of let that go. He's got a new yeah. obsession now okay. in the film. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I wasn't sure how good it would be considering the amount of time between the first film and the sequel. But uh, they basically picked right up, you know. But they even you know they even conce- concede the fact that it's been that same number of years between the first one and kind of address it right at the beginning of the film. So, um, a lot of fun, hilarious, uh, cast is fantastic. Um, just, just thoroughly enjoyed it. Fantastic. And then, uh, also watched Treehouse of horror number 30. Right. What a, what a miles of the Simpsons. I know it's crazy. Apparently it's episode 666 too. That's pretty funny. Although they said, or 667, depending on what order Fox airs it in. (laughs) I thought was the little caveat they put up. I thought that was hilarious. That's adorable. Um, and it's good. It was good. Yeah, okay. it was. I mean, it was. Those are it, always ones that they I always feel did. too short though, because they try to cram multiple storylines in, 
so like there were four different I believe four different storylines that they they plugged right in so it's you know because of how quick each one is is it still a half hour long it's still half hour long that's but a lot to, with commercials yeah exactly because yeah. you're you're looking at approximately what 18 minutes I think overall with the commercials and everything included now so still um, but yeah still fantastic writing even after all these years um, yeah it was a lot of fun always loved those episodes I think my favorite episode of that was when the teachers were all eating the students, and, uh, and uh, Skinner was like, I think I'll start, how do you put it? I think I'll start with your shorts, Bart. Eat your shorts when he's chasing them around yeah. all big and fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one's my favorite. Word. Yeah. Well, the Geek Shock Book Club right now, we're nominating the book for November. Uh, Hold on. He didn't say I'll, anything I'll, for geeky you, stuff. You, you act like I'm advancing something. Okay. All right. This was the preface for what geeky thing I did this week. A segue into what? Okay. Yeah. And it allowed me to put the little book club update in there. Okay. All right. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. So, so <laughs> right. I go. got your back. Yeah. It yep. would, well, well, yeah. Even though you're bitching about the orcs I was going to say, you got my back up to a point, <laughs> and it would have flowed nicely if, if, I, if I wasn't well, stopped. The, 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 <laughs> the presence of Andy <laughs> is flowing through me. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> You got Andy all up in you. Oh, oh no! <laughs> I walked into that one. Oh, what? Would you back up? I spilled that one. I spilled all over that one. <laughs> Let it flow through you. Uh, but last month uh, we did the first book of the independent uh, interdependency, which was John Scalzi's The Collapsing Empire. Yes, uh, I would. A huge fan of it, and so after I finished Horns for this last month, I went right into book two and finished it this week. Uh, it's called The Consuming Fire, the second book. For those that were upset by how the first book ended by really not ending at all, the second book makes good on a lot of that. And it's going to be a three-book series, so the next book ends it all. But the, the threads begun in the second book are just punched and knocked out in that second book mm. it was second book super satisfying better than the first whoa so those of you that read uh, consuming fire and Whoop, collapsing w- empire uh, sorry thank you collapsing empire and want to know if if you can should continue on if it gets better or worse uh it gets better the the story expands even further and becomes even more of a space opera and the political intrigue just comes to a head and it's fantastic he does that does that a lot his first book is good but he you know unlike a lot of people who try to ramp things up in the sequel and kind of fail he really manages to go places in act two he'll, he'll oh yeah actually... there's some real good holy shit moments in mm-hmm. act two yeah and i've already pre-ordered act three when it comes <gasps> out i want to read it immediately oh no, you stop it's good you stop it's so good uh when i saw joker I saw the preview for Dr. Sleep. Right. Yes. Which comes out in a few yes. weeks. And I bought the book a while back on some sale and then just never got to it. So hmm. I started reading Dr. Sleep. Now you're because, getting to it. Yeah, because I want to, before I see the movie, I want to read the book. It's when, king. When do you sleep? Uh, uh, sleep? Sleep. What's that? Sleep gives you cancer. Everyone knows that. Oh, okay. The movie doesn't look too bad. Uh, I will say this. The book starts hard and doesn't let go. Really? Oh, my God. I'm 50 pages in. I, I'm 10% through the book, and I started it last night. Hmm. 
and I just did not. Every time I picked it up, did not want to put it down. So it so it passed the uh, the Todd uh, one hundred page test. Oh my god, <laughs> nine pages in, I'm deep in. What the book does really well is r- reminds you of what happened at the end of Shining without recapping it. Okay, and we're talking the original novel, not the movie, right? And for those who may have watched the movie and not read the original novel, sets the differences up real fast. Okay. So you know what you need to know going forward that is different from the movie. Uh, For example, uh, uh, Halloran, the character in The Shining, killed in the movie, survives in the original novel. So, and he's an integral character to this book. That was Scatman Crothers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You kind of love a character like that. And the fact that they have this movie coming up that has both the thumbs up from King and the, uh, uh, well, what's what's the director's name of The Shining? Kubrick. Kubrick has, and the Kubrick family's Kubrick estate. estate, thumbs up on it. Uh, it's super fascinating. Uh, the fact that they're basically bringing these two officially together. That, that you... Right there is very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Just going with setting, allowing people who've only seen the movie. That's really, that's actually very cool. Yeah. That's a, that's really neat on uh, King's part too, to actually, he wrote Doctor Sleep before there was a movie contract, oh, didn't yeah. he? Okay, so that's yeah. really, that's really cool for him to actually, to sure. actually go there. Because I wanted to ask, I've never read the book, but I've seen the movie the level of difference, and uh, if you could actually do this book <clears throat> without the without uh, doing the first book, and King, King knows who his audiences are and potential audiences are, and he's there to serve. It's impressive to watch, and boy, there is not a page that has gone by that I have just not been raptured to, because a lot of books I've been re- reading lately, eh, last two not so much, the last few have been good, but there's been a few leading up to that that have been like just hitting slogs in it. That I t- that they've taken me forever to read just because uh, I just want to stop. But it's hard. Not push, this one. It's hard to push through. Sometimes you get to that like one chapter, or you're just like, uh, you keep putting it down. You pick it back up. You're like, yeah. start to read it. It's like I can't. I just can't put it back down. That yep. reminds me. Yeah, I actually started Forges of Mars. You started far Forges of Mars. Forges of Mars. Have you read that? Forges of Mars. Yes. Is that part of the Horus Heresy? No. Oh. You're thinking the Mechanicum. You're, you're right. I am thinking of the Mechanicum. What is Forges of Mars? Don't think about Mechanicum. Come on. I'm only like ten pages in. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just started last so night, like literally like an hour, like and then I went almost <laughs> end. All right, all right, let me let me back this up a little bit. What? Who wrote it? And what's it about? Graham McNeil. <laughs> okay. Okay. And it's about a expo- uh, Mechanicum exploratory. Fleet. Oh, so it is about the Mechanicum. Yes. <laughs> You don't know the background of these. Of course, about the Mechanicum. It's Mars. Guess what, buddy? It's a ninety percent of our audience is right there with me. <laughs> so it's a Warhammer novel. Yes, it's a Warhammer novel. Um, Way to bury the lead there, uh, Matt. <laughs> Get a little background on your what army. The, what the hell? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> But well, yeah, that's what I did. So <laughs> you started the book. Ten I started pages that book. Ten Great. Pages in. Always, always down for a book start. Oh, and I don't know. I fell asleep. Okay. That's not a good. Uh, not a great start. No, not a nope. great start. Nope. But I, what I saw was good. 
Must have been just really tired. That's all. Uh, no, I will say this for I, I enjoy Warhammer books overall, but those are some books that have some slogging moments in them. Yes. There, there are times where those just throw anchor and decide to drag the boat. <laughs> well, you know, you, you want to be cinema. <laughs> I've been watching Woo Assassins on Netflix. Woo Assassins? Yeah. It's, it's like, Woo Assassins. Uh, no, oh. like uh, W-U <laughs> Chinese Woo, as in Wuxia or Wuxing. Oh, okay. um, uh, Woo as in the power of the five elements, you know, earth, air, wind, fire, uh, metal, and and fighting. Uh, yeah, and it's actually... It's actually uh, pretty cool because it's it's American made. It's made in America, placed in uh, San Francisco, but it's starring uh, Iko Uwais, I believe is his name, the star of the Raid. Okay. <clears throat> so there's lots of uh, lots of great martial arts stuff going on and Chinese mythology stuff going Fun. on. Fun. And it's a series, and it's uh, it's actually it's actually. Kind of, kind of running along a Stranger Things type thing. It's not. Don't don't go into it thinking of a. Uh, it's some martial arts series. It's it's like one of those supernatural. It can be actiony. It's a little actiony, but it's still it's still very much an American action. Super like an man. intrigue or like a. There's some intrigue. Okay. Right. So it, it like like. Um, uh, Stranger Things, you know, you've got your undercurrents, you've got your layers of uh, bad guys and conspiracy. Okay. Um, and and then there are clashes where you get some awesome martial arts stuff. So it's actually, and it's all layered in with uh, Chinese mythology. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the vast majority of uh, the cast is Chinese American. So it's it's actually really... It's actually pretty, pretty cool. So I've been enjoying that. Um, so what's the base log line of the, sh- the story? What's what's it about? Uh, well, it, it, it has one of the things you guys know I love, <clears throat> a chosen one. Aha! The golden child. Right. Except that this this is sort of along the lines of, you know, why me? Well, it, it it's just you. It's so it's <laughs> sort of like Neo chosen one. It's like it it's just you. It's not like... Or Kung Pao enter the fist? <clears throat> uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the Wu assassin is the uh, the martial arts warrior who um, uh, fights the demons, the uh, the fire Wu and the the water Wu, fire and the metal Wu. <clears throat> uh, no, just one individual. Yeah, and and also that's the four elements because you know they really crossed the culture. Fire so. nation attacks. Yeah, but um. <clears throat> um so the Wu assassin is actually the good guy, you know, even though we're using the term assassin. But it's also this guy is coming to terms with the fact that he has to actually kill these people and that, you know, he's been selected to be the one to do it. And so there's there's that. There's triads. And uh, he has four friends. I'm looking at, you know, this is not a spoiler because I'm speculating, but I'm having a feeling at the end of the series, like there's going to be a fifth person. Um, oh, actually, I know who the fifth person probably is because Catherine Winnick, uh, the uh, Lotherga, Logertha from uh, Vikings is in it too. <clears throat> she plays a, uh, 
an undercover cop investigating the triads. And uh, I have a feeling his four friends and her are going to eventually take on the four woo power thingies. And it's going to be him and them against, you know, some other people or something. That's what I'm seeing. I'm like, I think this is where it's going to go. So, but uh, there's some interesting moments. They'll talk about family dynamics and friendships, like when they need to make this poison. And this poison is made by basically all five of them drip their blood on these venomous creatures and then feed one creature to the other until there's one left. So, like, go on. Yeah, he. <clears throat> so, um, the uh, eco. He drips some of his blood on a tarantula, which is then uh, one of the other guys drips some blood. You know, you know that toad. Have you seen the video of that toad that can eat anything? No. That it it's it's you need you need to actually see this. This is this is a fucking toad. All right. That's a it would like kind of overspill in your open hand. Oh, like we saw at that carnival when we were kids. Cool toad. Yeah. And this toad, they have video of them dropping things like scorpions in it. Scorpions the size of the toad, and the toad just sits there, and then suddenly, shoom, and just yanks it into its mouth. And then you'll see the scorpion stinger, bing, 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 up on its skin while it's just sitting there, grum, 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 and it eats it. They'll, they'll put in like a, like a centipede, like those... East, East Asian yeah. centipede yeah. motherfucker, angry, angry, angry little guy. Yeah, yeah they the, drop those in no, there. The ones that'll take on little mammals. Right, and and it's yeah. the same thing. It just sits there, and it just sits there, and then suddenly, <laughs> boom! And then it's eating the centipede. You know, so this toad eats that tarantula, and then they don't show everything, but at some point, the scorpion is in there. They drop in this snake. And then the snake eats the scorpion, and that's the last one. And then they milk the venom from the snake, and this is like a super powerful poison <laughs> now, you know. So it's like, and the whole time it. they keep putting these animals in these glass cases, and then they'll sit there and they'll talk about, you know, when we were kids and that thing you did, blah, 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 you know. So they they have those little character moments. So kind of funny like that. So I like it. So yeah. You know, the, the trailer didn't grab me, but your description has. It's, I, I think, give it a try. Give it a try. I think you might like it right from the first episode, but give, give at least two episodes a try. What pulled me in, fu- funny enough, was the trailer. When uh, they, the, the, the one guy lectures the hick on the history of Chinese Americans. That's actually what kind of well, drew me in. Well, I like that in. actor. Um, yeah. Yeah, he did Iron Chef America. Yeah, and guy. he's he's uh, he's right. one of the major characters in yeah. the series. So, so yeah, it's now does he transform into that or is that he's kind of inside that kid? Huh? the The trailer has it to where he's fighting right, and yeah. the, the camera will go over him. He's the young kid. The camera will going back, and he's the he's the older guy. Oh oh oh! Well, to to tell a little Probably bit inside. of the story, the okay. Wu assassin, this guy Eco. That's the, the, the raid guy. He actually gets the power of a thousand monks. So a thousand monks who have been the Wu assassin prior to him. So this is enter into him. So what happens is when he's doing his Wu assassin thing, his appearance to others will be like 
the other monks. Okay. So the old guy that you see in the trailer is actually what other people are seeing. And they actually do one cool thing because there is one segment where they actually replay the fight scene. And one is with Eco, and then one is with the older monk guy. So you're sort of getting his perspective, but then you get the point of view of the, uh, the, the opponents. So they do some playing with stuff like that. Okay. So sounds really good. How many episodes are in a season? Would you? Oh say? God, I think it's the usual like eight, okay. eight or ten. Eight so, ten. Yeah, and it's it's the just the one season out. I'm at episode six now, I think. So um, it's interesting. It it has actually is interesting, and I have been enjoying it. So eh. woo assassins. Woo assassins. I also have been reading. Did a lot of stuff this week. Yeah, so. I know, right? Swords of Steel. Swords I uh, think Swords I, of Daniel Steel. Yeah, really. Oh, wouldn't that be horrible? Yeah, Swords of Steel. It's an anthology. Better than Swords of, of Peter Steel. <laughs> <laughs> it's an anthology. I know, I would kind of want that, actually. Yeah, I want of that. Uh, sword and sorcery you know you short yeah, stories that. that have been written by heavy metal musicians. Oh, fun. Wait, you wait, wait, man! What? What? That's a lot of laughter. Peter Steele, heavy. Uh, whatever. Uh, so, yeah. So you got, um, you got that's like. Funny. Let's see. I'm gonna. I don't know most of these names, uh, so I'll just sort of like run through it. But you got like J.P. Abud, um, James Ashby, uh, who's from like uh, Solstice, Leth- Lethe- Lethian, and Craven Idol, Howie K. Bentley. Uh, from Cauldred Born and Britain Writes, <clears throat> which is actually a real cool name. Max Birnbaum, which, I don't know, that, that sounds like a good pulp name right there. Yeah. Jeff Blackwell. <clears throat> uh, he lives in Canada. He's been in bands like Gatekeeper and Scythia. Mike Browning from uh, Morbid Angel hmm. and briefly was in uh, Incubus. Jaron Evil, there's a there's a classic <laughs> heavy metal name. He was a bassist for the Tech Death Titans. Oh, Titans. Okay, I thought that was like a specific category. I no. didn't realize that was uh, just a you know hyperbole. Arch Spire and uh, Eismond, Al Murek, Ringbearer, um, Biomech, which is eighty sci-fi synthwave. Wow, this guy he does some cool stuff. I kind of want to listen to that. 80s um, sci-fi synthwave. Doesn't that, yeah, yeah that kind of tells it all right there for yeah. you, doesn't it? Uh, oh, uh, Joe Deathmaster uh, Minichino, who was founder of the Italian epic heavy metal band Doom Sword. You're Fucking not, hell, yes. You're not going to go yes. wrong with uh, Doom. God, look at these names. He's also released albums with Agarthi, Furak, Gallerhorn, and Fury and Grace. Those last two are very nice in metal. Uh, Byron Roberts, who was with Balsagoth, Symphonic Black Metal Project. Uh, Gotta love it. it. Yeah, this is an omnibus. There have been three volumes released. So they're like 23 stories from these artists. It's really fun because you know how you have a lot of modern sword and sorcery and you get the oldsters complaining Oh my God! They get all the you know the feminism and the this and that and the PC and everything, you know. 
it's kind of hard to find an older pulpy type of sword and sorcery that doesn't that doesn't go out of its way to be an offensive like this is how it should be you know these metal head sword and sorcery stories are actually just good pulpy and and actually very well written i got two uh, there were two anthologies on sale for sword and sorcery that i bought and this one by the metal guys who are dabbling in writing about sword and sorcery is much better than the other one, which is really? actually, oh, the other one has just been, it's actually gotten kind of hard to read because it's, it's so prosaic. Oh. It is so. Dude, some of those metal guys, like uh, musicians in general can write. Yeah. Because yeah. of the song, it's like Sure, if you're like a lyricist. Like, well, that's the thing like they'll say crazy. about, you know, Robert E. Howard because he was a poet first. And so the uh, the the lyrical nature of his writing the uh, is is kind of obvious, and these guys it's it's really it's kind of similar. They're mm -hmm. nicely written, yeah, and their characters are interesting. Um, you know, you got things like uh, a guy, uh, one wizard makes a magical artifact by tearing the heart out of someone and compressing it into a ruby, and then that ruby is the magical artifact. I love it. And Fucking you hell. read that. I love that. And you're just like, all right, this is this is how it should be. This is how you do it. Yeah. So. Got a ruby? No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, come here. <laughs> you know, so. I, I don't think I've heard a better marriage of. I love that. Of, of storyteller and author. It's it's. Yeah. Because. Yeah. That's all the heavy metal stuff. That's that's where it's at. Mm -hmm. That's where all the great imagery is. That's where all that great album covers oh, are. Yeah. Well, yeah, Frazetta. Yeah, uh, his covers for Molly Hatchet, wasn't it? And 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 all. And then yeah, I uh, fell in love with Eddie before I ever fell in love with Iron Maiden. Oh yeah, sure, of yeah. course. You know, you know, I I, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it. It's it's uh, Swords of Steel. Uh, DMR Books, I believe, is the publisher. I put down my phone because it's dying, so I'm not going to go back for it. But if you're interested in that kind of pulpy stuff, pick it up because uh, uh, so far I'm I'm into like the first four stories, and I think uh, three of them I I've I've enjoyed really really enjoyed, and the first one right off the bat impressed. So it was a I think need it's need to lead strong. Yeah. Good anthology. So, I, I remember when my wife and I first started dating, we got this uh, motel room over in Boulder. Before we go to bed, I would read to her from you know like a short story collection, occasional novel or whatever. And I got this short story collection about killer dolls at uh, KillerCon. So I read the first story to her about that, and the first story was about a pedophile done in by a doll and it was the most horrendous thing to read out loud talk talk about leading poorly it was well you got okay. yourself a winner because she said yes yeah true, <laughs> <laughs> true. after that one I, I was I would, wow i was i would stop the story and be like do you want to continue this she's like yeah yeah go ahead i was like no, i'd be stopping and going just yeah, fucking right. now she's got her covers up to her uh, nose and she's just staring at you with big eyes it was the story was just so talking your doll <laughs> can i go to can i get a separate you got room? another date after that well yeah it's like that that uh, Todd, yeah. th those are the stories you say for after you're married. <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, it was gross. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> Ugh. 
All right. Oh. I got more geeky things to talk about. Well, we got to get moving on because we got some Joker to talk about later oh on. So oh let's start with Weekend Geek. Bam, bam, bam. Yay. <laughs> Head of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Kevin Feige, has, has been promoted. No, he said it right, Feige. Stop arguing, He runs guys. the show, Feige. He runs the show. He's got the little thing in front of him there. Just because you're in charge of something does not always make you right, Matt. Okay. You know? <laughs> IEC presidency. Um, <laughs> Uh, Kevin Feige has been pronounced uh, pr- promoted to Marvel's chief. <laughs> Freudian. <laughs> to Marvel's chief creative officer, a title that gives him a say across all oh, the company's right. various entertainment media. I forgot yeah. about this. All yeah. comics, all television, all animation, and feature films, of course. This also means that Marvel Television, run by Jeff Loeb, and Marvel Family Entertainment will be looped into the Marvel Studios banner. Huge development, as all the Marvel TV shows produced up until now have only been, had passing ties to the wider Marvel Cinematic Universe. Joe Quesada will keep his title as Executive Vice President, Creative Director, and answer to Buckley, whose subordinates also include Sada Amarat, that's Vice President of Content, Character Development, C.B. Sibulski, Editor-in-Chief and Head of Global Editorial, and Stephen Wacker, Vice President of Creative and Content Steven. Development. Why are you laughing? Wacker, Stephen Wacker. <laughs> Stephen Wacker. You know, me and Jeff were both laughing. <laughs> both of you. I saw you both perk up. <laughs> With a name like Wacker. <laughs> as someone who began his career as an assistant to Lauren Schuler Donner. Oh, wow. Fige is a prime example of working one's way up in Hollywood. He served as an associate producer on the first live-action X-Men film back in 2000. His work on the mutant-based project caught the attention of former Marvel COO Avi Arad, who enlisted Fige's help to run Marvel Studios. That brand name wouldn't gain golden reputation and household names for another decade or so. With the release of the first Iron Man movie in 2008, Fige and director John Favreau would lay groundwork for a shared, big-screen approach to superhero filmmaking that's been, well, tried to be emulated by nearly every major studio since. So, there it is. Fige gets big promotion. Feige. That's I said that. Jesus. You should have been here for the Stephen Wacker. <laughs> United States Senators Ron Wyden and Marco Rubio signed a bipartisan letter addressed to Bobby Kotick, CEO of Activision Blizzard, over the recent suspension of professional Hearthstone player Chung Blitzchung Ing Wai. So did the the crown of most evil uh, gaming company get passed from EA to Blizzard? Activision? Um, that's a good question. They've been, they been trying to go neck and neck. Yeah. Uh, Quote, this is from the letter, Uh, We write to express our deep concern about Activision Blizzard's decision to make player Ying-Wai Chung forfeit prize money and ban him from participating in tournaments for a year after he voiced support for pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. The letter reads, This decision is particularly concerning in light of Chinese government's growing appetite for pressuring American businesses to help stifle free speech. Unquote. Co-signed by representatives Ocasio-Cortez, Gallagher, and Malinowski, the letter urges Kotick to reconsider your decision with respect to Mr. Chung. Following a tweet from Senator Wyden linking a Kotaku coverage, 
the letter references tensions that have arisen following Chung's suspension as Blizzard employees reportedly voiced their disagreement and plans for protests at the company's forthcoming BlizzCon convention in Anaheim, California, are currently underway. Wear clown face. This is despite Blizzard's president, <laughs> J. Allen Brack's statement last week that walked back some of the penalties referenced in the congressional letter. The statement had reduced Chung's suspension to six months and awarded him the prize money. Uh, Blizzard had originally withheld. Well, that's good. Uh, BlizzCon begins Friday, November 1st, so expect it to be very interesting there, gentlemen. Yep. Oh, yes. Because this is uh, fresh, and it's, what, a week and a half away? They, yeah. they need that badly, because that was an incredibly, I mean, I'm not that deep into gaming, but that strikes me as an incredibly myopic, knee-jerk reaction. Right. I mean, it was just like, and, you know, credit to game, I mean... It's not over. They're, they, they're banning people right now yeah, for game, that, shit, that stuff. Game players, they can certainly be assholes when they want to. <laughs> oh, but, yes. But my, my personal thing has always been an activist is an asshole pointed in the right direction. So, you know. <laughs> right? That's pretty good. Yeah. So just, you know, point them in the right direction because uh, that, was, that was really grotesquely obsequious. Sure. I, and I believe the... Uh, the champion winner of the Magic the Gathering tournament uh, recently did the same thing uh, this week in support, put on the mask and his support for a Hong Kong revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't get banned or from anybody, right. but it's a different company. So. Any word on the, uh, the, the, the interviewers? Because weren't they fired on the spot mm-hmm. as well? The, uh, yeah. the casters, yeah. I'm not sure the what happened with that. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I don't know where that stands. Which and and that was just really that was that was even more offensive because it was like those those guys, yeah, they, they were just nearby. Yeah, they, they they couldn't get out of the camera quick enough. Those guys, <laughs> they were like, once they realized what was happening, yeah. So <clears throat> Sam Raimi is reportedly coming back to horror, teaming with a pair of fright writers from for a new film. Uh, Raimi is set to direct the untitled movie, his first horror film since 2009's Drag Me to Hell. Joining Raimi are writers Mark Swift and Damian Shannon, who co-wrote the Friday the 13th reboot from 2009, and already have teamed up with Raimi for a special in-production project based on the Bermuda Bermuda Triangle. Uh, The writing duo reportedly created the story for the island horror film, which is being produced by Raimi Productions. Uh, Beyond the report's description of the new movie as a cross between Stephen King's Misery and Robert Zemeckis' Castaway, uh, details this early are kind of light. Uh, If you want to put those in perspective, uh, Misery traps a novelist with one of his most adoring fans, while Castaway traps a stranded survivor on an island in isolation. Could you imagine Misery on a... Oh, my God. It's... That can work. Talk about... work. Utter... Hell? <laughs> yes, it's utterly hopeless. I mean, you know, he just had to get out of the house. What did? What the fuck are you going to do on a goddamn island? I have to say, they've turned the stakes up to 11 on that one. <laughs> 12. <laughs> oh, that would suck. God, has it really been 10 years since Drag Me to Hell came out? Yeah. Sam Raimi, why? I don't why think so I saw long? It. I don't think I even saw that movie. I mean, I know he was actively involved in the Ash versus Evil Dead Series sure. and and there's some news on that front because uh, Bruce Campbell Bruce Campbell 
recently did an interview, and in that interview, he revealed that not only has Raimi chosen a new director for a new Evil Dead oh, that yeah. he will not be directing, uh, but they have chosen an Ash as well. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah because I remember that. Because he, he's officially hung up the, the Ash yeah. gear. After, after season three became the last season of Ash vs. Evil Dead, he's, he's like, that's it. And I was like, I was, I was sad to hear it, but I understand his reasoning. Of course. Because I can't get enough of Bruce Campbell as Ash, Ash Williams. It just There's something about the way he portrays that character. He has a lot of personal charm that, yeah. that just drives right through. Whether you meet him in person yeah. or see him on the screen, he uses charm. Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell are teaming up to star in a musical reimagining of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol with Sean Anders and John Morris. Uh, who both worked with Farrell in the 2015 comedy Daddy's Home and its 2017 sequel, uh, set to direct and write the, the adapted script. Uh, it looks like uh, Apple has won the bidding war for this feature, so expect it on Apple Plus, the streaming service. Yeah. Oh, that, thank you. That, thank you, that, Todd. That you looked right at me when you said that. <laughs> You're like, the, the streaming service. <laughs> I, I'm... It's, I, getting, it's getting... I hate that I'm now seeing commercials for projects on TV, and I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'd be interested. Oh, Apple TV. only Apple TV Plus. You can uh. subscribe, Jeff. You can see it. It's not be. It's well, it's behind it, a paywall. Is it platform <laughs> agnostic? Is it platform agnostic? Because last I heard, it's only available on Apple TV devices and Apple iPad and sure. iPhone. Get an iPad. I don't want an iPad. I have a tablet that works just fine. I have a Chromecast that works just fine, so I don't need an Apple TV device. What do you do if you want to see amazing stories? Again, I don't need it. If they have an app that I can download on uh, you know, another device like a Roku or whatever that's built into the next TV I buy, sure. Yo, or if it's even available on Xbox, which I doubt it will be because... Microsoft and Apple don't really get along. Arr, Jeff D. So well. <laughs> Come to Tartuga. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. got the Apple TV. You know, <laughs> we ought to put out a, a little a pirate stick <laughs> device thing and just call it Tartuga. Should we? Should we really? <laughs> uh, I'm thinking that would be uh, a bad idea. Um, at our at our $100 Patreon level, you get... Yeah. Um, Jeff D., I'm, you got to put up the red flag. <laughs> okay, so streaming services. I'm. Is it... Is it just me? Because every time now we talk about a streaming service, the first visual that comes up to my head is some corporate guy in a suit peeing on Matt. <laughs> it's just... It, that, that's, that's how it's just become to me now. <laughs> and Matt just sitting there forlorn, staring I actually, off. I actually canceled Netflix. Did you? No. In order for getting ready for Disney? <laughs> getting ready for fucking Disney. Oh, yep. wow. Well, I'm yep. glad you guys managed to see uh, well, that was the great the I'm, I'm like, oh, I need to watch this. You need to see Woo Assassins quickly. Ah, fuck the Woo Assassins. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was looking at the Breaking Bad movie, too, that's on there. But, yeah. That's okay. It's waiting for you when re you return. Yeah. Jake hated that, didn't he? El Camino? Yeah. He, he didn't seem to uh, mm. enjoy it. The Stranger Things phenomenon has had an unforeseen consequence. A resurgent real-world interest in old-school D&D guidebooks, along with spiking prices for Stranger Things fans looking to get their hands on well-preserved originals. That's funny. Polygon reports that D&D guides released in the 70s and 80s 
have seen a fresh flood of demand that has driven prices for old D&D books and sets skyward at an unprecedented clip. Quote, since the Stranger Things first introduced the classic pen and paper RPG to a new generation of fans, recently we've seen eBay auctions go for two, three, five times more than they should for the condition that they're in, unquote. Uh, Chicago area game store owner Floyd Wessel told Polygon. While nostalgia for older fans may be driving part of the fresh interest in throwback D&D sets, newer fans also pursue vintage D&D guides in order to tap into a significant part of gaming's deep roots. Mm. Quote, I'd argue that these younger fans look at these books and sets like they're fetish objects or artifacts of a previous era, Russell explained. Probably. It's not actually about the game. It's about owning a piece of history. It's certainly not about playing it. Because, man... I knew nothing about wargaming when I got my AD&D books, and actually I borrowed the player's handbook, and I didn't understand shit. That was a that was a deep learning curve, and I had to go to the basics, you know, the red box and the BX, and, and get a handle on shit before it could finally graduate up to AD&D. Sure. <clears throat> uh, you know what? Then looking back at mine, yeah, I was introduced through the, the old red box, neighbor kids said this is my brother's game let me play it with you and you'll be the thing and i'll tell the story yeah and i got my first wand of illusions and i was hooked it figures i'm surprised it wasn't like a a a knife of backstabbing (laughs) (laughs) i got my first knife of backstabbing and i was like this is for me (laughs) well i wasn't playing with other players yet it was just what one-on-one things oh oh, okay yeah no it's in I mean, fact, I, I've been not actively, but passively looking for the Redbox books just for that nostalgic tickle. What? What? Another, what? another Torgo tickle. I know. Um, Did you, I saw that, that too. That adventure. That too. <laughs> had to get it in there. That adventure the at the back of the book yeah. that was included yeah. is the only time I ever ran my brother through a, an adventure. He humored me. Through it all, and then, and then, uh, and then, the random mom. <laughs> Todd is worshiping Satan and call, <laughs> sacrificing goats. Yeah. You, my, my brother's about ten years older than I am, so it's <laughs> Todd is worshiping Satan, and we. That's no, funny. That's funny. That's cool. That was that was sweet of him. Before yeah. your your parents crushed you. No, oh, yeah. God damn it. RLJE Films has scooped up the U.S. distribution rights for VFW. A horror action movie about a group of elderly war vets who protect a teenager from an unhinged drug dealer and his army of punk mutants. Cool. I'm liking this already. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm not even sure what to make of this. The film, whose title is the acronym for Veterans of Foreign Wars, right. was written by Max Brailler and Matthew McArdle and directed by Joe Bagos, who directed Almost Human. Now, here's the cast. Stephen Lang from Avatar. Oh, shit. William Sadler from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. <laughs> Fred Williamson from Dust Till Dust. No. Get the fuck out. Martin Cove from The Karate Kid. That's the guy that's the head of the Cobra Kai. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, mercy. Yeah. All play the titular army vets. Oh, my God. Okay, you got me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that cast. Oh, my that's, God. That sounds interesting. Okay. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I'm on board. You know he's going to have like a no mercy line in there somewhere. <laughs> Like sweep the legs. Oh yeah, yeah. Sweep the legs. I mean, no you had legs. me at Bill Sadler. Sure. I mean, that guy is awesome in everything he's in. 
Sure, and and uh, Stephen Lang, he was the bad guy. In Stephen Avatar. Lang makes a great uh, yeah, bunch of grizzled old men. Yeah, and funny piece of trivia. Oh, Torgo used to have Bill Sadler's number. Yes, I did. I was I was a production assistant on Roswell. He was on the show. Oh, yep, he sure I'd was. have to deliver scripts to his house every now and then. Oh, very nice guy. I thought you uh, I thought you had his number. Oh, I see. Uh, motherfucker, I well, got your number. See, this well, obviously, is, this I didn't. He's still alive. <laughs> this is something you know, I didn't know. I didn't know you actually delivered scripts to his house. Yeah. Wow. I learned something fun, new fun all the time. trivia there, yeah. Torgo. Yeah. He, he lives up the hill very close to the uh, the Magic Castle. Nice. Magic Castle. Mm. I got invited there once. I might actually take somebody <laughs> up on there. The Magic Castle. <laughs> That's your almost name wait, wait, wait. story? You got, you got invited there story. once, but you never went? I have an open invite. You have an open invite for the yes. Magic Castle. Yes. Yeah, for hey, Mr. Magic. A, your... a magician I met, he gave me his card. He said, it doesn't matter if it's a year from now, two years from now. Get your ass me, to I Mars. You. I, I got to have some money us. in the savings to go do another trip to, to LA. To I just us. bought a house, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sell not, the house. I'm not broke. God, come I'm on. not broke, but... There are things it's that tight. need fixing. They, they call it. They call it house poor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been to Magic Castle. Wait. 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 wait what? I haven't. Wait. How'd so. you get in the Magic Castle? <sighs> you can. If you don't know, Magic Castle's L.A. You can only get in through invite. Yes. Yeah. How'd you get in Magic Castle? Okay. Um. Uh, yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> hey, hey. Oh damn! Hey. I've been. I've been caught. <laughs> Good story. Thanks, uh, Walt and Cindy. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a friend who works there. Oh, when they were living in L.A. way long ago, and in fact, I was living in L.A. It was in 2000. They invited a bunch of their friends because they did a big uh, special dinner thing. So uh, Lauren and I actually were invited by them, and we went. And that was that was really that was that was cool. That's a cool place. It's. Uh, a lot of history in there too. Yeah, from what I understand. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. so jealous. It's it was very very cool. And then it's funny because I have an open invite. What? Remember my my story of the wow? Look at these guys. Open invite. Open invite. <laughs> what the hell do we got? Nothing. <laughs> we got blood bowl teams. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Green well, machine. If, if we ever did a road trip to L.A., I'm sure I could get us all in. Well, but, sure, sure. Or oh, okay. or, um, or maybe Kirsten could get us yeah. all in. Uh, well, I have to. Fine. Kirsten can get you mine, in, Matt. Mine and is Jeff a, will get me in. Mine's okay. a card, and Andy can go fuck himself. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I like this plan. Did I say yes. that out loud? I'm sorry. Yeah. Wait, wait. You you have a, like a card, like come back anytime. Like it's, the reason yeah. I'm laughing. As what? Yeah, basically the reason you're laughing. Remember the story of the uh, the third Thursday. Andy and I went to the Mediterranean Grill, and a carny named AJ used me as a shill where he did he did his carny bit. Okay. And uh, it, it, it went over well. It was really funny. And I, I always, I always kind of glowed about it because at, afterward, Mac, Mac King, uh, you know, Andy had introduced us and everything we were talking. Big magician in Vegas. Um, uh, resident magician in Vegas. Very good and old school. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was like, you were very good, by the way. So I was very pleased because literally it was an improv chill bit. AJ took me minutes before and was just like hey would you want to be my shield and uh, you do this you do this and we'll do this and then i'll give you this and we'll blah, blah. and i'm like sure and we ran through it and i basically i mean we didn't run through it but when we did it on stage i was just reacting to him and and it went really well but he gave me a little card with his signature on it that was an entry to the magic castle 
So, Crazy. I didn't know that existed. Yeah. And you lost it? Uh, well, it it's a great bookmark. <laughs> so it's in a book I haven't uh, finished in my bedroom. Okay. I'm going to go through your... Uh, <laughs> Your book collection. I haven't, I haven't perused your full book collection, really. I just want to see what you have. Yeah. So, so I've well, got maybe, that. Maybe we have a fan out in L.A. that could get us in so you don't have Jeez. to go digging for your card. Jeez. Uh, do we know we anyone who I works think, in I, I think I think we know somebody that has an open invitation here well, on yeah, the show. We that could I, probably I know where we my don't, card We is, don't so. need Bonnie Gordon. We got Jeff Gunter. Yeah. Does Bonnie go to the... Uh... She works at Magic Castle. I did not know that. Oh, dude, ha- ha- half. Quite a few of her posts are... Uh, I, I think she. I think she's like been moving up, too, because I think she was like a hostess, and then she started performing, and now she's doing bits with people and stuff, and that's one of her jobs. Well, I was going to say, she adores you, so I, I, of anybody that you know wow. that just, could get us in, it just, would be her. You know, just put on, it out there. Let us reach on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I know. We'll we'll do a road trip out to L.A. By the time we get there, it'll be two dozen people. And uh, no, just just us, just we can, us we three. Can make, we can make cuts yeah. along the way, man. Yeah, there you go. We but, already did uh, one, Andy. Just, <laughs> that was easy one. Uh, come on, dude. You know, Andy. When he gets back here, he's gonna be. Oh, you want to go to Magic Castle? I know. He's probably, by the time he's listening to this, he's probably like, I know like three people that could yeah. get us in. I'll bet you, I bet you John Bean right now is shaking his head in uh, probably. in our patheticness. Well, I mean, they've already given a fit Shaking about, their head? <laughs> well, I was going to say John and, and the rest have already given a fit about the, the new logo. It's, it's it's done. It's ready. Oh, you it's got just, it. Uh, you got it. So, we're, so we're all that heat on Andy was was, was well, without I mean, merit. There, there are <laughs> Poor some, Andy. There are some minor touch-ups that I need done, but I think Barry and I can do them. So oh. since, since, since we don't know when Andy's going to be back well, yeah, since he, for long enough to actually do well, anything. He's overextended. Uh, so, yeah, uh, exactly. So it's, it's not that. We're, we're redesigning the site. Okay. So all this stuff is like work in progress. It yeah, just, we because we, he and I, he went over it with me and the color selections and stuff like yes, that. I was we, here. We punched a few things. Well, I mean, well, you guys sent after me the, you yeah, left. Yeah, you guys sent, yeah. so. he sent they, me the They fixed updated. the things that we messed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they yeah. Sent, yeah, they sent an updated version. So. But, uh, I mean, uh, you know, and, and Todd had some good suggestions, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I suggested <laughs> peeing on it, and everyone loved it. <laughs> a streaming site. That's our new streaming service. <laughs> But uh, oh my God! Can we have one of can one of our sub logos be like a guy in a can we stickers to put on your back of your car? Guy in a suit peeing on Matt. <laughs> you know what? I'll sign off on. <laughs> and the suit has to be streaming. Says streaming exec. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, it's it got should. a double meaning. Streaming mm. exec. You know. Well, okay. I, never mind. Well, yeah, yeah. Streaming service, Jeff. That. God, you're Yassim supposed on. you're supposed Yassim to on. use the accent when you explain the joke, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Rasta banana, come on! I'm just lazy. Today. I didn't feel like. But yeah, it's um, where were we with all this? Oh, the logo and uh, Magic Castle. So on both of those, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Are we done with this? <laughs> yes, you need. Yes, we are. <laughs> So, and thank you, John, once again. Yes. Just for the sheer inspiration, because your your little 
your little knockoff in response to a bunch of jokes actually has uh, has uh, turned into will hopefully turn into something that I think will really be emblematic of the uh, of the site. And you know, give Andy a lot of hard times, but there's a reason. Well, and so. and also, if anybody actually wants to see what the logo looks no, like, no, no, it. I already used it once. God damn it, Jeff! It's on the uh, the God video from it. from Barry doing the uh, the peanut butter jelly time dance God in the banana. Damn seat. it! So if you didn't see that video, you missed it. Sorry. Yep, so, to be fair, how low. many people want to see Barry dance dance as a banana dancing to peanut butter jelly well, time? Minus me, but I was there for the whole thing. <laughs> I, yeah, just, you got the floor show. Yeah, uh, he front row seat. A regular Frankie. Fan. Make it rain, Maddie. Yeah, throw some peanut butter at him. <laughs> what? Make it a. All righty then. Over there mumbling like an old man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this this episode is bread. aging. See him. how many how many views you got there. The Victorian mansion in Bangor, Maine, that Stephen King and his wife Tabitha have called home for decades, has been reorganized as a nonprofit and will open to scholars and authors. The Bangor City Council on Wednesday approved the King's request to rezone their home. Going forward, the Red Mansion at 47 West Broadway will serve as an archive for King's work, while the guest house next door would serve as a writer's retreat. The archive was previously at the King's Alma Mater, the University of Maine, but it won't be a museum access. Won't be a museum access to the archives would be restricted and by appointment only. Meanwhile, the house next door, which the Kings bought in 2004, would house up to five writers in residence at a time. Bangor Planning Officer David Gould told New England Cable News that the Kings quote did not want the house to become a Dollywood or some kind of tourist attraction unquote. The town of Bangor, in which the mansion resides, served as the inspiration for the fictional town of Derry, the setting of his novel It and many other stories. I can hardly wait till Andy gets back and corrects your pronunciation of Bangor. Bangor. <coughs> Bangor. He probably calls it something like Bangor. Banga. The Bangarian. Banger, yeah. Bangor. Bangor <laughs> will cut your head off, you evil know, sorcerer, and you will never menace the land again. The guy, the guy can't even say Barry correctly, so. That's true. Burry. You know. You know, buried. We buried him. He'll we, probably we just mumble him. something at us. No. We'll laugh and just ignore it. That's true. Good one, Andy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's some real. There's some real emotion in that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, oh. What was I going? Oh, you know, it'd be fun to actually just be a writer in residence, like some Maine winter. When uh, the snow is just burying the countryside, burying the countryside, and just it's no, just no, it's cold not, and not, dark, and you're just you're working with four other writers trying to write, and every now and then he comes in the room and is like, what "The fuck are you doing? Get back to work!" And you get back to work, and <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you know, your payment's late. Get the fuck out. Well, I don't know something. So anyway, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It'd be fun. I thought you were going somewhere else with that. Well, oh, what? I don't know. I don't know. No, you, you didn't know, but you know. you were waiting like, for it. I don't know. I was waiting for it. Just I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see a king as a taskmaster coming in there. Oh, I think that house has a pool, an indoor pool. Indoor pool? Yeah. The guest house? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh well, shit. Yeah. I used to know somebody that had an indoor pool. It was really interesting. This is back in Wichita. 
Well, the guy know he's Thank got you, an open Mr. non sequitur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that is that that was that was so Andy. I think even Andy is just like, what the hell just happened? I feel like a piece of myself has been ripped away. <laughs> Next in the news, Jeff knew somebody with an indoor pool. <laughs> better than almost knowing someone with this is true role. that's right yeah. it's not quite that. i knew somebody who worked on a water main <laughs> oh that's adorable. that's adorable because main yeah main yeah you see him on jeff's awfully quiet all of a sudden <laughs> i just have nothing to add <laughs> Derek kolstad who wrote john wick and co-wrote its two sequels, will write the adaptation of author V.E. Schwab's fantasy series for Sony. The first book, A Darker Shade of Magic, was first published back in 2015, takes place in four different Londons in four different parallel worlds. Each of the four worlds has a much different relationship with magic, ranging from no magic at all to much so much magic it's taken over everything. Two more books, A Gathering of Shadows and Conjuring of Light, were published in 2016 and 2017, respectively. In addition to John Wick, Kolstad also served as a writer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the MCU series set to air on Disney Plus uh, in a few weeks. Or I guess that one's actually coming out next summer. Disney Plus comes out, but Falcon Winter Soldier comes out this summer. Yes. Yes. Okay. Summer 2020. Yeah. Is uh, Loki going to go with launch? The Have they gotten that far with it? Or is it just Mandalorian? That's really the only thing. That's the flagship thing going in there. Right. Yeah. Uh, but no MCU new one. properties. Not not at launch. No. Okay. Because I believe. They got to string it along for the. Yeah, it's sure. Like 2020, yeah. 2021, and. Kind of surprised I, I there isn't the a Marvel whole. lead, though. I mean, I get the Star Wars lead, definitely. Mandalorian, Probably sure. Probably just because it's not ready yet. I've obviously not, but they could have. I mean, I, who knows? Maybe um, get interest in the next Star Wars movie because it's end of November, right around right? the corner. And yeah, then, yeah. Th- this Christmas. Did you? Anybody, did you watch the new trailer today? That dropped no. during football. No. I mean, I'm the only one that watched football to see the goddamn trailer. Yeah. Wait, there was a trailer for the Mandalorian, a new one. No. For the new for, Star Wars. For the. <laughs> For the new Star Wars movie. Yes. Oh, okay. I the, the, think it's the, the same one they played last night on football. It's the final trailer. <laughs> yes, that's the yeah. same one they showed last night yeah. on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, I did see that one. So you're like, sports, 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 sports. Ooh, look what I got. Mandalorian. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to the film. I don't it's care exciting. what anybody says. Um, the, the end of a saga. Tear yeah. in my eyes. Skywalkers. Just the music alone. Skywalkers. Dude. What's going on over here? You know what's really what's, what, is is his his hand yes! is on his lap yes! and he's his hand is trembling and he's underneath jagging. the table. <laughs> his his legs are just like yeah. trembling and it's so yes that looked no, awful. No. <laughs> it really I mean, it was look. appropriate, <laughs> sure, but it looked awful. For, I was getting into character for the whole. Uh, okay, the uh, SJWs. You I know? hate this Star <laughs> <Wars>. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny. I. Uh, <laughs> side side note here. I watched a, a Star Wars fan film on YouTube last night. It was actually a pretty decent one. And while I'm watching this thing, I uh, I was scrolling down to see if there was anything related, and I scrolled too far and got right into the comments <laughs> and regretted it instantly because it's like it's always like see what somebody can do with no money. Why is Disney giving us all this crap? I'm like, well, at least it's better than Last Jedi. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, yeah. people, <clears throat> let it fucking go. Yeah, nope, it's never. 
and Never. and and also just stop being sheep. Don't don't read some asshole's review saying that it was bad and then automatically saying, "Oh, well because he said it's bad, I have to believe it's bad now." It's not a bad film. It's a very good film. Eh, I mean, I, I understand with people Don't. It, it's you be careful. You watch yourself, <laughs> mister. <laughs> I am fine with people not liking sure. right. that oh, movie. Him. Yeah, I know. That's fine. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> but what I what what I'm talking about is I find that a lot of the the negativity mm-hmm. is a carbon copy of like what Kirsten was saying, running into with the the Russian bots and so forth yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. that put forward this notion that sure. it's a terrible film and here's why it's terrible. Sure. So and it's then- it's less about people having their own opinions and like when Carl was on the show and told us why he mm-hmm. wasn't a fan. That's that's completely different because none of them were the same talking points as that was literally his honest opinion as why he was not a fan of the film. I'm I'm saying that people who don't like Last Jedi have an honest opinion that they don't like it and that's okay sure but what's not okay is to say that the other person's opinion of that movie is null and void because it's not the same as your opinion yes and i also think it's not right to say that ryan johnson and kathleen kennedy hate real fans yes and hate real star wars it's 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 dumb geekdom hyperbole and it needs to stop yeah if you don't like a movie fantastic Paul hates movies all the time. Sure. Yeah, it's just that it's very... I mean, Vernon. Carl was nice and surprising because he stayed the course. He talked about what he had a problem with. Sure. And there was that. There are so many that will start off with, okay, sure, right. You know, and they'll make their... They'll make the good objective points. And then it starts degenerating and leading into hatred of fans and SJWs and PC culture. And it's just like... Yeah, that's where it's off the rails. And it's like, what the hell's the matter with you people? Yeah. Well, and so. also to be fair, Carl, after hearing our opinion on why we liked it, was willing to give it another sure. another yeah. viewing to Wait, see. Wait, are, are you saying that a rational conversation between adults has can find some interesting areas of compromise? It, does, it doesn't happen very often, but it does happen <laughs> occasionally. Oh, people. Listen, Big Black was very receptive. Yeah. But this next one kind of falls in in anticipation of J.J. Abrams' definitive ending to the entire Skywalker saga. AMC Theaters has announced it's holding a nine-movie marathon beginning with 1999's The Phantom Menace. The marathon begins Wednesday, December 18th and will end with The Rise of Skywalker at 5 p.m. local time the next day, a full hour before the film officially opens in theaters. Good Lord. All nine Star Wars films fall short of the 27-hour mark, so it's assumed there will be some some breaks where fans can get up, I hope stretch, so. pee, get popcorn. I would never do that. Get some sleep. Would you ever do a, a screen like that? I did the Lord of the Rings yeah. lead into oh my, me extended too. edition lead into Return of the King. Right. Yeah. So that, that was, was six hours of movie going into a three-hour movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, and my my the, uh, my legs were numb. By the end of it, you're like, oh, I just want to leave the movie theater. Were you? Well, I mean, the, the total. I did it as well. Uh, total time from getting to the theater till getting home was like 16 hours. So it literally took up the entire day, and that was with I uh, like minimal breaks in between. Like they gave us a 30 minute break between. They films. gave us some breaks. They uh, this was this we went to Green Valley Ranch. Yep. They let us go to the food court yep. and bring takeout into the theater. Yeah. It was actually cool. 
Chad Randall got absolutely blitched shit faced. Yes, he did. <laughs> this is my surprised face. But by the by the end of it, I'm like hearing total strangers behind me just being like sober up, you loudmouth son of a <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Chad was Didn't he like shout for joy in a couple of spots in the Yeah. He's like, "Yes!" Yeah. <laughs> he do it big I, obnoxious. Yeah, and clap real loud and he's the only one. Yes. Theater utterly I, full of people and you hear the "Yeah!" I was hoping I was remembering that correctly cuz yeah, it's been so long. You did. <laughs> but it was, you know, it's it's those are fun things. Oh, um, my butt hurt so oh, bad. Oh yeah. Cuz yeah, that was no. before like the comfortable like recliners like we have now oh. where dude you can, are you, you can kidding? settle in in the recliners you're fucked <laughs> yeah. you're, you're gonna you're, right. you're, you're gonna hit hour 10 and you're going to sleep you're gonna be out because the one thing that that keeps you awake during those it's movies the is the <laughs> yes it's the pain it's, you're the, like, oh, it's the chair killing yeah. you you get in those recliners. You were so fucked. Yeah, because I think that was like right around the time I was discovering that I did have a sciatic nerve, and it was like it was like. Uh, Imagine ow, the ow. nerve. Oh, okay, that's better. I, I'm okay for now. But then an hour later, like, are we still talking ow. about movies? Uh, are we? I don't know. Talking about lower back pain. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that goes all the way down your leg. All the way down, baby. You're gonna feel it in your toes. Or not because you know, they're numb. It's kind of hot. Yeah, they're all a little the way tingly. down your leg, little all tingly. the way down. Yeah, as they stream down your leg. The streaming <laughs> service. <laughs> <laughs> There's your title, <laughs> Matt Streaming Service. <laughs> yeah, I want to see the oh, thumbnail you pick God. up for this one. <laughs> ah. Matt's Water Sports. <laughs> you're, you're, you're Wait, what was that? Matt's Water Matt's Sports. Water Sports. <laughs> Got it. Water. Matt, pee Water and sport. urine. <laughs> Matt, you're in trouble. Matt loves pee. I got it. There you go. No, we we'll, won't be doing that. <laughs> and, then, and then below that, and then put in parentheses, but hates blowjobs. Yeah. Uh, Matt's butt hate. <laughs> hate. Actually, I believe it's your butt hate. Okay, come on, Jeff D and the that, butt hate. Boy, that's Jeff yeah. D and the butt hate. That's the better. Oh one. my goodness! Yeah, that's me in the movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff D and the butt hate. That's a that's a young adult novel series, I believe. No, that's yeah. my Ramones cover band. Not bad. Yeah. yeah. Not bad. Wow. That boy, another Andy moment from Jeff. Yeah. Good lord, man. Channeling over here. Somebody should have been your hooting the blowfish cover band. Some- That's way better. That's way better. <laughs> All the right. Two, come the on. Two of I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll concede that it's, one to it's you. It's my man. hooties and the blowfish covering Ramon's cover band. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did establish that Andy is within Matt. So. <laughs> Nickelodeon is coming to New Jersey this weekend with the Western Hemisphere's biggest indoor theme park. Based on the network's properties like SpongeBob SquarePants, Dora the Explorer, Jimmy Neutron, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Open at the interactive... What? What? What's wrong? Nope. We can't do it on air. <laughs> Opening at the Interactive American Dream Mall in East Rutherford, New Jersey, the Nickelodeon Universe Theme Park. Will feature over 35 rides, roller coasters, and attractions for families and thrill seekers, both young and young at heart, reads the official release. In the coming weeks, even more pop culture inspired attractions will open at American Dream, like 
DreamWorks Water Park on November 27th and an indoor snow park on December 5th. This is all the same goddamn ball. Wow. Every time you say the American Dream, I'm like, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. I don't understand why they're doing it, though, because we already have this. Have what? Uh, indoor theme parks. It's Marvel movies at movie theaters. Oh, right, of course. Scorsese. 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 You know, it's, it, I like it. Spell with a K, folks. Funny you mentioned two Nickelodeon. I, I, I found out too late, but this weekend uh, at the Smith Center, they had Double Dare Live featuring Mark Summers hosting that show from our, from our, from our childhood. I, I remember. I'm not sure I'd, I'd Double Dare go was to, a, uh, to this thing. <laughs> It would be interesting to see people make fun of them, what? make fools of themselves. It's, it's a child-friendly, uh, no, no, McNamee mansion. Yeah, right? I, I <laughs> child-friendly McNamee mansion <laughs> is the best goddamn thing. <laughs> By the way, after yeah, that's, last that's week's a, show, that's just in the Forbidden Temple, right? <laughs> after uh, last week's show, I did go down the rabbit hole. That holy fuck! I'm sorry, dude. Holy fuck! Yeah, welcome to hell. Oh, I didn't make it past God. the thumbnails. I called it up and I like looked at the thumbnails and I'm like, all right, I'm convinced. And <laughs> oh no, I, I I went like a couple videos and I was like, what the hell am I doing? Really? Holy, How yeah. was it? They're long oh, videos yes. too. Oh well, I was seeing some of the two hours, thirty five minutes. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm so. like, so they signed a waiver. How is this not illegal? <laughs> yeah. I don't care if they signed a little piece of paper. <laughs> and that's just the stuff you got to see. Oh, my God. All right. We're going to shut down the show. We're going to talk Joker now. So if you have not seen Joker and don't want to be spoiled, thou shalt not go beyond this point. Uh, but, gentlemen, let's this talk. Or you no get further. what you fucking deserve if you go past this point. <laughs> no, so That's here life. it is. The Sp- line must be drawn here. Spoiler talk. There's gentlemen, no talk to me about your thoughts on Joker. Loved it. Loved it. You L- loved it. You, when you were done with the movie, you texted all of us and said, Yeah. This Joker is amazing. Yes. Like like mass text to each one of us. Can yes. anybody sell me a thirty eight? <laughs> did you get that text? I got that one. No, I don't know about that. What? No. No, oh, I didn't. I didn't shit. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to go out and just bring the whole system down after that movie. It, it really spoke to me. <laughs> wow. It, it does oh. tap on your dark insides oh, a little bit. Yes. There's no doubt about it. Through the movie, I was I was rooting for him. And I, I I left the movie theater. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with me? But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the '70s, dude. Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, you're rooting for the you're rooting for the guys stealing the money. You're right. This was you a know? '70s film. A '70s Scorsese. It film. was. Yeah. It, <laughs> it was, dude. It was so magical. We had when to keep I, reminding when, ourselves at dinner to save everything for the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but it was just sort of like it's sort of like just there was a point in the movie. I'm like. My God, what he said is so fucking ironic right now. There, there's literally no point in superhero movie history that that could have been a more ironic point to make that statement. Because yeah. it was, it was the '70s all over the place. Scorsese was all over this movie. Coppola was. I mean, there was it was a bunch, <clears throat> a bunch network. King of Comedy, especially, which uh, also had a double layer to it because De Niro was uh, the main character of King of Comedy. Yeah, yeah. And Taxi Driver. Yeah, I remember the garbage strike 
uh, I had I was actually living overseas, but I had returned to New York to visit, and it was uh, during the garbage strike, and people talking about that, and the talk about the clown killer. It was very much like uh, like Son of Sam in terms of people becoming a little afraid. Not so much the kill the rich part, but uh, so that aspect of it. S- 70s and, and early 80s, uh, Blowout and Zorro, The Gay Blade, which were yep. on the movie marquee. On the marquees, yep. Those were 81 movies, so <clears throat> it was in early 80s, uh, but very 70s. Because the 70s kind of kind of intruded into the 80s yeah. for a couple of years before we started getting our I don't know I don't know about you guys I would say the change, I don't, and I don't want to cinematography style yeah. I think is what you're referencing well that and also just the whole the whole aesthetic of the 80s trying to leave behind I don't the want disco I, era yeah, I don't want to totally derail us but Miami Vice was sort of like the mark yeah of this is the 80s the 80s have begun you know <clears throat> but anyway well, there's definitely a change in the color palette. Exactly. Especially- in, not only in pop culture and cinema, but also in real life. Yeah. 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 Because that was one of the things I really found fascinating with the film was like the color timing and everything. That The palette that they yes. used was very 70s. Yeah. Very 70s. Did you and I don't know if they did this deliberately. There was one there was one moment. It was actually really kind of cool. When he's when he's on the set of Murray's show, uh-huh. and they're they're going from uh, the camera pans across them, and then it pans across the uh, monitor uh, that shows what the audience is seeing, mm-hmm. and the, the 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 color was a lot more vibrant. His it was really funny. You know how they talk about how yeah. the the colors of the red uniforms in Next Generation mm-hmm. uh, appear so different on screen than what they are in real life. Right. <clears throat> His suit punched up yeah. a hell of a lot in that in that monitor as you passed over. And it I was, think it was intentional. Uh, that was an amazingly subtle little moment as it just sort of boing, and then it just continues passing over everything yep. which had its little layer of dreary on it so it was just but i mean even like the camera we, we talked about this earlier okay uh that the framing that they use the framing devices they used i were love right out of the i 70s. love the extreme close-up where you have a face that doesn't even fit on the screen it chops off the forehead and the and a part of the chin and they did that with phoenix uh, so many times right i mean you could you could see the details of like his hair lip surgery Yep, the cleft palate surgery, um, and his teeth. I mean, it was just so close. His performance was really outstanding because that neurological disorder he has, where he goes into those laughing fits, and you're looking at the expression on his face. The expression is, "I'm in terrible pain right now, but I can't stop laughing. Yeah. I am mortified by this, that, or the other thing." But I can't stop laughing. And I don't know what they did for the sound for that laugh, but the way the way towards the end of it when he's really exhausted and he gets that kind of uh, oh, yeah. that little erp like he's just like I really gotta stop. And then of course the change in that laughter later on, like after he's gone through the the conversation with his mother, he's like, I thought my life was a tragedy. Now I realize it's a comedy. Right. That laugh goes from the pained laugh to embracing the humor that is life style mm-hmm. of laugh 
he just really brought out that that dichotomy between those two types but of laughter in the film. They also touch on the fake laugh because he yeah. does have a he does have a golf laugh where yes. he's laughing at stuff yes. that. Okay, this is supposed to be funny. So I think because that was one of the things. You're talking inside the comedy club. Where he's the, like, the, the, the comedy club. Around, yeah. I I felt that's supposed to be I, the sincere laugh. Yeah, and here's the thing, I felt that was sort of like, sort of to reveal to you, he actually doesn't know what funny is. Yeah. Could be because he's looking around and like the reaction, like oh, people are laughing, ha ah! ha, and then and everyone and then, else is done laughing, and then and yeah. then he'll laugh when yeah. no one else is. Yeah, and I think part of that was he actually he actually has is having a hard time figuring out what funny is, what is funny, and I, that that was one of the things I picked up from that. I won't say that I loved the film, and I know I touched on this earlier, but I really liked a lot of elements of the film. I liked the portrayal. I like the characterization of somebody who is just like you said, one bad day away from from madness, from turning into a complete psychopath, for lack of a better word, um, and lack of meds. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> yeah. lack of the meds too. They did reference that. You're absolutely right. That steady, rapid decline from the beginning of the film to the end of the film, where he kind of just embraces the madness and just like, nope, this is me now just it, that's it's a fascinating take on the character i'm not saying it's I, I won't say it's my favorite take on the character but it's an interesting alternate take i know that warner brothers had a hard time with this movie at the beginning sure but man bless him for taking this chance yeah because well they didn't put this a- this was the most sony independent pictures this is the most miramax this is the most yeah yeah this is an indie picture yeah yeah through yeah. and through very much well, they so. didn't put a whole lot of money into it because I, from all intense, it, all all reports, they were expecting it to fail miserably. So they weren't. Yeah. They they didn't really care. But then when it kind of became this runaway success, they were like, oh, uh, yeah, of course, we always thought it was going to be a great project, and <laughs> they're trying to walk back. <laughs> sure. But, uh, uh, one decision I love in this, and part of the reason why it, it left me feeling just so dark and heavy, is. This was not a movie depiction of violence. It was a depiction of hard and dirty, realistic violence. Anytime yeah. that there was violence, there wasn't a lot of violence in this no, movie. There really but wasn't. When it happened, it was visceral and quick. Yeah, and and so so it punched you in the gut for how real. That, that yeah, first that, gunshot on the subway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that okay. was Holy a wonderful fuck. setup because yeah. that came out of nowhere. Because your t- typical cinematic version of that would have been the slow motion, the the right. guy getting hit you could slowly, see you could see surprise. you could see joker uh fumbling for the gun fumbling, yep. fumbling and then, for the and then gun when he does get it like what are you going to do shoot me yeah. and boom yeah. like, right. like some no but it yeah. wasn't it was literally the the Man. the lights dimming in the car and then bam he's up against the wall and he's shot it's like whoa and it was and it was rapid it was bam 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 like he shot both those guys and, and, really quickly and chasing the third guy yeah, who, who y- you may have noticed was shot in the ass. Yeah, he's like holding his butt cheek as he's yeah. as he's trying ah, to run. Ah, ah. <laughs> and it was really funny because yeah, you you wanted that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that scene was going on. It was just like, would you j- just shoot the fuckers? I know you've got the gun. Shoot and the fuckers! Like, holy fuck, he did it! Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Yikes! I would say the only part of the film that I disagreed with the direction that they took with it was the inclusion of the the alley scene with Thomas Wayne 
um, right. Martha and, and Bruce. Because honestly, I think that's been done to death. I think they could have had them start <laughs> down the alley. And then, you know, you saw the guy with the gun clearly. Just him follow. And, and then just, just, you know, maybe have him turn around the corner. I thought they could have cut it there. I didn't like it being included in the I didn't either. I, I just thought it, I don't know. I, the, but, I, I think it's been done to death in all the different versions of Batman that you see, whether it's through flashbacks, etc. There's been so many versions of that scene. Mm-hmm. And I think that scene connects all the Batman movies with one unassailable moment and that is that Thomas Wayne is a cheap ass bastard (laughs) (laughs) I I did think that was an interesting choice for them to to portray him as this I'm not talking about that I'm talking about connection across every Batman movie you have seen I know because every girl will tell you that if you're going to have a real set of pearls uh-huh. There's going to be a knot in between each pearl that should the strand break anywhere, oh. the pearls don't go flying and missing. The only oh. per- I didn't even know that the either. only pearls that don't have those ties in between are cheap fake ass pearls. Oh, okay. Therefore, Thomas Wayne is a cheap ass <laughs> motherfucker. Well, that and the fact that actually now with the fake pearls, the cultured pearl industry, pearls have lost their kind of wealth. They're they're not the status object yeah. that they used to be, and so now it's like oh well they yeah. were and they were never that rare to begin with. He goes after the pearls, okay, you know. Yeah. So it's it that's kind of funny. <clears throat> but I guess you know in the seventies, you just yeah. don't walk down a fucking alley. What's the matter <laughs> with, with you? Yeah. I I did find that was an interesting uh, script choice to have him be the public. You know, I care. Everybody that's a member of the of Wayne Enterprises is a member of the Wayne family, past or present, blah blah blah. But then when you see him in the private settings, he's a total dick. And yeah, you know, it's probably <clears throat> no security will work for him. Obviously, yeah, and it's, <laughs> yeah, it didn't, yeah, nobody know, followed right? him yeah. down that alley. Yeah, no, that was the yeah. confrontation. The confrontation in the bathroom, like you know, him like, he's like what do you want? And he's like, I just. Want to talk? Want to and then autograph? He turns it into a whole. You know, you're trying to get something out of me, and I'm going to punch well, you in then, the face and get away like, from you. What is it with you people? And just yeah. Listen, yeah, yeah. Well, to on the other side of that, he knows this guy who choked. I don't know if that the bearded guy was Alfred, but a guy that who worked knows? for him at yeah. his <clears> place. <throat> and when that guy went back, he said, "This weird guy was messing with your son. He choked me, and now he sees that guy in the flesh." Yeah. So he's not yeah. going to be a nice guy. Sure. Uh, sure. Thomas Wayne's a dick in this movie, but I think in that moment, from his perspective, he's quite justified. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> because this is a dude that has threatened his son. Sure, but and he was physically assaulted someone that works for him. But you know? on the other side, he wasn't doing anything particularly threatening in that at, moment. In that moment, certainly, yeah. it I, felt I, like the punch in the right. face was a a, a a major overreaction. But, but I, based ooh, on that no, scene. no, I think I, didn't I think go it, there. No. Yeah, I think anybody who is who has a kid would would easily say that if I feel you have threatened my kid, mm-hmm. I am not going to go easy on you. Simple as that. Yeah. And it's easy enough to to uh, feel that Bruce was incredibly threatened. All right. We saw this movie entirely from the perspective sure. of Fleck. Right. And so we have that moment with him that we are on his, his side emotionally. So sure. when Thomas Wayne 
comes in with that right hook out of nowhere and it it seems unfair but from thomas wayne's perspective that's not unfair that he was he you came to my house you threatened my family and now you're standing now you're behind me in the bathroom making claims about this person that i know not to be true all right, got in there. I mean, well, you know, he was Wayne a dick. Here. Team Wayne over here. Yeah. Team <laughs> Wayne. Oh no, not not at all. The dude's a cheap ass. Oh my god. It, you know, it 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 was funny too when they first did the whole that whole red herring, and I was just like, oh, do we have to connect everything? I'm, I mean, I'm with you on uh, that too. On the other hand, I was like, well, that's an interesting touch, but do really do we have to connect everything? And then when it turns out that it's not the case, it's like. Oh, okay. That's, you know, I'm still a little disappointed that she worked for Wayne and that there is that connection, but the whole that she's delusional and then that he's adopted. I mean, you don't even need adopted. You could just say, yeah, she was delusional. She got pregnant by somebody. We don't know who. We fired her because Jesus, it was. <clears throat> but the adopted angle makes a really interesting case on the fact that if you're thinking that his psychosis is inherited from his mother no he's adopted mm -hmm. yep so that that cuts that line yeah well i mean it could still be inherited just not genetically sure because he's basically he like he says at one point in the film he's like i've been the man in my house for as long as i can remember right so and he he grew if, up abused yes whether or not he remembers it so the physical abuse and then probably the mental and emotional abuse by his mother throughout the entirety of his adulthood sure and it did not help yes yeah. exactly yeah. Could, could drive anybody to psychosis so yeah it's a it's a fascinating take on the character i i, I don't know how it would fall into a, any kind of additional storyline other than just being a one-off story and as true as that statement is because this is it we're not going to yeah. see more of this joker again I'll be, I mean, never say never, right. but I'd be real goddamn surprised. Well, yes. well, actually, it was very telling when we had this discussion because Paulette actually said, I would see another movie with this guy just wreaking chaos. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely would too. In fact, the movie felt long to me in the first half. Yeah. But by the end of it, I was like, I really want more now. It's funny. It didn't feel long to me in the first half, but when they got to the green room in the uh, in in Murray's show, right. I was sort of like, "Oh, this has got to be the run up to the end. I can't see where they're going to go beyond this." And so I was just like, "So are we there?" I, I you know, I was kind of I was kind of confused in in an audience timeline sensing way because it it <clears throat> the, the well it doesn't have a much of a structure as far as like the there is acts without mm -hmm. a doubt yeah. But yeah 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 it has that indie acts aspect versus yeah. a a hollywood formula mm -hmm. I, it, oh sorry go ahead oh, i was just gonna say going back to the alley scene i didn't like it because i think the whole core of batman is his parents were killed in a random utterly isolated come out of fucking nowhere act of violence you could make a lame-ass argument about that kind of violence in a riot, but it still is a riot that starts things rolling, and I think that that kind of, that kind of uh, interferes with where 
Batman comes from. Sure, and the, and the movies <clears> have <throat> been doing this for ages, that yeah. it's not a random act of violence, it's because this villain did something this early right. it, that led to this, whether it's Jack Napier would being the, right. Yeah, right. the one to do it, or in Versus this case, the, the, the Joker inspiring this group. Sure, yeah. So th- that was one thing that I... I'd, what I thought would have been cool is if Thomas Wayne had said, let's let's go this way, taking her down the alley. And that just established that Thomas Wayne will go down an alley with his yeah. family, which is kind of a stupid thing to do, but he'll do it, especially in a riot. I don't know. I yeah. haven't been in a riot, so maybe running down an isolated alley is actually the thing you want to do. Probably safer than the riot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So and, uh, Interesting. I well, like you don't your, leave the movie theater. I like your that? take That's on it, thought. too, because yeah, yeah. You, it left Watch it... The cart. <laughs> It could leave it open to interpretation. Is that when is that their moment or not? Or is it you know sometime exactly, in the future? Exactly, exactly. And I thought that would have been kind well, of well. Saying it was the Zorro movie is probably the moment. <laughs> oh my God, dude! I, the Gay Blade, Zorro, the Gay Blade. Goddamn SJWs! <laughs> I I oh, did man. like when he dyes his hair green. From that mo- moment forward, you kind of see the character turn into that whole almost the Heath Ledger style of Joker where it's like at that point he's decided that he doesn't want anything more than to just watch the world burn as Alfred says in you know Dark Knight that scene that right after the cops get beat up and he's walking like from the subway car up to the street, <laughs> where he's just like smoking a cigarette. It's like slow. Matt's motion ready type to thing. take up smoking. Well, but see, it's even before and I was that. Like, God when damn, he's, like, he's he's arrived. When he's mm-hmm. let go, right. when he's dancing down those stairs, oh, yeah, yeah. and then the cops are behind him. It's almost at that point that he has he's dyed the hair green. He's had his crazy, you know, unprovoked Joker moment where he stabs the guy in the neck and in the eye, but lets the guy that was nice to him go. And even unlocks the door for him. I mean, that was a very Joker moment to me. When you strip a man of everything, yeah. he can then rebuild himself. Well, you know. And so, yeah, but it felt like from that moment forward, that was that whole, I've let go of everything. I just want to watch the world burn now. Because he even says on it, he's like, this is not a political statement. This is me now. You know, he's like. And where, I, the, where, the, where the fuck did the little person go? <laughs> Uh, didn't go to the authorities. He didn't go to the police. He even said to him, I'm going to be on Murray Franklin tonight. It's like, there's nobody at Murray Franklin waiting for him. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 what, what the hell was... Uh, He's cowering in his apartment. Glad to be alive. I know. Probably. Probably, yeah. Oh, my God. Probably. And like like Matt said, that moment when he's like, you can go. And he's like, oh, my God. And he's, and he's at the door and the chain is out of his reach. I know. I, like, oh, I, fuck. I wondered was... if they were going to do something with that. When oh. he was, cause he went, when he was cowering over in the corner behind the, yeah. the little uh, breakfast nook stools. And he's like, you can go. You were always nice to me. You were the only one who was nice to me. And he's just sitting there, like trying to to evaluate. He's like, "Is he truly going to let me go, or is this the whole he's luring me in?" Yeah. And, and then he even does the "wah" to, yeah. to to startle him. That scene keeps that tension going of whether the little yeah. guy got to get it. Absolutely. And I was convinced he wasn't because I'm like, okay, if he yeah. gets out that door, the Murray it's over, the yeah. Murray Franklin show doesn't happen. But then he got out the door, and, and he kisses him on the forehead too yeah. right before he leaves. He's like, and, yeah, and just lets him go. And yeah, and then he goes home and doesn't call the police or nothing. <laughs> he just sits there. Oh, I did think, I did like, I felt it, it had that gritty realism when Joker was attacking that guy 
and you hear him in the corner, oh, Arthur, no, what are you doing? No, yeah. Arthur. It was, you know, it, it had a more realistic reaction to violence happening in front of your face yeah. than, in, than in a Hollywood uh, depiction of it. it. I thought it was actually pr- really good. Yeah, I agree with you. <clears throat> movie gets down and dirty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wants to take you with it. Yep. <laughs> yes, it does. Puts a, puts a bullet right through De Niro's eye. It was really <laughs> funny because that's one thing. I I didn't see a point. I was like, where is the point where he decides not to kill himself and instead shoot the host? And I didn't really I didn't really kind of I mean, I mean, I guess there were moments there, maybe I just didn't see it, but it was sort of like, I, hmm. I don't know. <clears throat> it almost seemed like like you're referencing that he was he seemed like he his plan was always to yeah. to to basically blow his brains out on live TV. But as he's sitting there talking to Murray and you see the rage building, it's almost if that rage was redirected from, I'm going to get my moment in the sun by blowing my brains out on this. Instead, it turns to, I am now fully embracing chaos and I'm going to shoot this guy unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost redirected rage. He's just suddenly, he, he made the focus Murray. Yeah. Because of the things that Murray was saying back to him, but there's also there's a choice to stay alive and sure. continue being chaotic. He, yeah, he was f- he found power where he never had any because they never cut the feed. But, too. but even going but even going forward, every time that he did one of these horrible things, yeah, he was taking control of his life in a life that he never had control of. Right, and so. When when I when he's walking down the steps to the Gary Glitter song, uh-huh. t- to me that was. The moment that he felt that for the first time in my life, I am in control. I have a plan. I'm going forward. I'm going to blow my brains out at the end of this thing. This is my plan. It's going to happen. I am going to affect the world. I've already affected the world with these other things I've done. I'm going to do this. My big plan is going to affect the world even grander. Hey, Arthur, stop. We want to talk to you. And suddenly cops are there. And he's like, oh, shit. And then he starts that run, which was hilarious. Every time he fucking ran. It's just hilarious. Yeah, his his strides were unusual to say <laughs> to say the least. Oh, the whole physicality, dude! Every sure. time he had his shirt off, it's like, and you're look. What the fuck did he do with his left shoulder? Because his 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 yeah. shoulder and his back, the m- joints are popping out and shit, and it's oh, just like, ah, oh yeah, the the dude emaciated his body for this. Holy role. shit! Yeah. The uh, not. Not method acting, uh, Matt. It's machinist acting. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. He, he called up Christian Bale and was like, "So for the machinist, yeah, what well, did you do? You basically don't do any eating." <laughs> yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I would love to see this this version of Joker and Batman. That would be interesting to say the least. It'd be very interesting. What, I would what? love to read an article of uh, what the other actors thought of because he's a method actor, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Somewhat gets into the role, so well. Uh, just, you know, Jeff was pointing out they had tension just for over table reads, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, just the interaction between the, the the stars. Well, De Niro like, is an old fashioned, you know, plan everything out, kind of get the feel for wanted the table read. Joaquin Phoenix was like, "No, I want to study the material and then go into the performance fresh." You know, make the make the performance as real as possible, and apparently that was a point of contention that Todd Phillips had to smooth over, and and it gave, basically gave both of them what they wanted. But uh, like just like you said, Kay, the the table read was he was just basically reading the lines; he wasn't reading them with any kind of inflection yeah. or 
or emotional. I can understand. I, I feel that way too. It's in fact, it's really funny. And this isn't film, but theater. But without fail, every single time I've done a performance where uh, one of the other performers is like, "Let's go over lines before you begin the performance." The performance sucks. Oh, yeah. Let's yeah. Like going over your lines right before the performance actually it, it, it lets the air it. right out of the tires. Yeah, it, it makes it look like it's rehearsed. Yeah, because you you just and and for me you you lose you lose the energy of the performance. Sure. I think I think part of I, I, maybe even get a little corny, but part of the fear of not knowing your fucking lines actually energizes you. Sure, sure. That's. Then, you well, I mean, you, you, you want to get to the point where you're saying the line in emotional reaction to what you heard. Mm-hmm. That you're at, you're speaking with emotion, but the lines are there to express it. Yeah, and not on purpose. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you two are the performers. I'll have to take your word for it because I've. Never done. When I was watching like this movie, especially the moment when he is talking to the guy, uh, the the clerk behind the cage, getting his mother's information. Right. Yeah. In that moment, I was like, "How does it feel to be that actor playing against Joaquin right now?" Because that would be so hard not to just get enveloped in watching this guy work. Mm-hmm. In, so. uh, yeah, especially since your part is essentially a bit part. Sure. He had what five, six lines total in that Indeed. whole thing. And, and, yeah. and right, and of course, and of course, that part is not going to be of something very, very chunky and emotional to get right. behind. Yeah. Although he did a nice job, he did fine. Yeah, with the with the realization as he's going over the file. Okay, so the mom blocked a da ba ba ba, and the son was a da, <laughs> and just the way he like looked up at him and stuff. Oh no, he, he, that actor was fine. Yeah. Was was good at what he did, but when. When you're on stage with an actor that is in with just an amazing caliber and much more than you are, I've been there many times, you are almost in awe in trying to match that level of sure. dedication. So, And you're not the first actor I've heard say that, yeah. too. I mean, I've, I've, I've listened to theater and film actors who have been in the business for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years say exactly the same thing it's like when oh, you get into a performance and suddenly you're matched up against somebody that is just killing it he's like you know I, I, well um uh ian you mckellen do, you do ian mckellen, keep up yeah ian mckellen was talking about that he was like talking about uh something along the lines of that he was somebody that he knew for a while but they were the performance they were giving was just so powerful he felt intimidated and ian mckellen has been doing this for 50 years yeah so it's like if if that's the kind of thing that you experience when somebody's having a really good night i can totally get what you guys are saying it can also elevate you that oh, yes. it can too. pull you along yes it and you exactly. can you can totally get caught up into it it's it's, uh, it's it, that kind it, of sort un, of a different intentional competition yeah. well no of? it's just you get swept up in the energy and emotion and okay. it just come you go with it you ride with the flow and and it begins to draw more out of you because okay. they are so real in the moment it brings you into the moment yes I get it you. can you I take you. you in that way i it's it it the energy is a little different but a lot of that is like i i say that about robert downey jr because it's like god dang he makes anyone better when he's working right. with someone in a scene. People are just just come out better working with him because he is he is so good and he is what he's doing is so amazing. It just it elevates, you know, the people opposite him. 
Yeah. So, not, um, to, not to mention the fact that he takes people under his wing and, mm-hmm. and you know, just genuinely sure. has affection for them. Right. Not just only within the work, but then outside of the mm-hmm. of the work. Yeah, but so, it, yeah. it it um, in terms of uh, what Phoenix was doing, it's uh, the that laugh, how he worked on that laugh, and just the physicality of it. A lot of it was just that was just amazing. The, the layers of emotion behind everything that you were seeing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like I said, with the laugh, you know, where he's, yeah. he's, especially he's, in that, you can see the physical reaction on his face. I'm in pain. You, I look, am hurting, and I he, can't stop laughing. Every scene like that, he was, he was, la- the character was laughing against his will, uh-huh. but you knew what was triggering that laugh. Yeah, and you could see it in his eyes, whether it was nervousness, fear. fear. Or, right or just mm-hmm. uncomfortable where he's at, but you knew why it was being triggered every single time. Yep, mm-hmm. and that was fascinating to watch. Yeah, yeah. It um, the uh, the end when he's uh, in uh, Arkham and he's laughing and he's I, I just thought of a joke and she's like, "Want to tell me to it?" And the way he was just like, "You wouldn't get it." Yeah, that was just yeah. It was dark, and then he, what happened? Because because he left. Yeah. With the bloody footprints. Yeah, Yeah, he killed her. Just assume he killed her. Yeah. Because or hurt her really bad. She wouldn't have let him just walk out of that room unaccompanied, even in the handcuffs. It was something. But the way that he just nonchalantly uh, guard is after him. Walks down the hallway and then starts back and forth and back. In In a frankly proper Joker moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Running from the orderlies at Arkham. <laughs> you get at the end, at the end of the movie, yep. an actual the end. And did you notice, uh, Jeff, they didn't scroll the credits. They were yeah. cards. Yeah. Old school. Yeah. Old school. Well, I mean, it Flash started one, at yeah. the very beginning. They had that old school 70s the, Warner the, Brothers the logo. 70s Warner Brothers. That's I watched that, and it was really funny because my first, in, like you mentioned with Miramax is everything, is like, is this a, is this Tarantino's Joker? <laughs> yeah, because it's just like '70s Warner Brothers logo, and then their garbage strike, and you're like, I was I was just like, oh, really, you guys? <laughs> and the like, stinger at the end of the credits where he meets Chester Cobblepot. Yeah, that was that was. I waited for that because I was like, there's got to be something. Yeah. There you go. What? There wasn't anyone. <laughs> nice, nice try though. <laughs> I already know there wasn't <laughs> I made sure to read four different sites after that. Like, no poser. Okay, perfect. <laughs> what were your thoughts on Joker? Write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com or put it on the Shock Monkeys Facebook page. Because, damn, there's a lot of thoughts out there and I want to know them. I want to know them all. Well, can they still put it on Todd hasn't seen this since you've actually seen it? Yes, but I can't see that that page page because i haven't seen a lot of those things uh, yet. yeah i don't want to get spoiled on well, things I mean, that came out just 25 years ago that's that's the page that's that's become the, the are, page you, for spoilery talk you're, you're not a, you're not a member of that page right you shouldn't be able to see that page at all you're, you're right i'm not <laughs> <laughs> i think i briefly got a, like a notification to join it once and then it went away so i, yeah. I I've, I've i'm a member I've, I've been in it. it's funny to be i mean we hardly use it now but this was something where we ended up 
they ended up using it because I just saw it yesterday, so I didn't sure. go there. Yeah, me too. So it was just, it was just, yeah. So, uh. so just cut and paste that discussion. There you go. The <laughs> Beautiful. Chocolate Beautiful. And so next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Scorsese, Scorsese K. <laughs> you wouldn't get it, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk to you next week in Geek. And don't forget, November 2nd, Vegas Valley Comic Book Festival. Come there see us There you go. Live. Yep. Come, come see, see us all. Except for live. you. Yeah. You, you, you migrating maple leaf bastard. Yeah. Wow. Come see Torgo, 80s Jeff, and Commander K struggle to get through a room. <laughs> Three of you. Oh, no. no. There's your goddamn face. Andy will be back by then. Andy will be back by then. I think I think he's going to be Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. Because you did say he he was coming back and leaving right away. Well, he is, but that's not that right away. <laughs> All right. I think he's quickly, got, but not that He's quickly. got a week or two in there. All right. Well, well maybe. Don't panic. But even so, if it was the three of us, so have some goddamn faith. <laughs> I don't know, Mister. We won't do any duos. What's a duo plus one? A trio. Yeah. Yeah. Trios are great. Oh, I see. I see. Like the Kingston trio. Damn. We three got amigos. off on trios. Three amigos. I had a line already. Peter, Paul, for and Matt Mary. Too. Three Musketeers. Yeah. See, they become four Musketeers. I know. That's true. So dumb. There you go. (laughs) Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. Ah, yes. The ultimate trio. (laughs) Crosby, Stills, and Nash? No, no. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. The Bee Gees. Much more metal. Okay. Bee Gees. Yes. You're right. That is better than God. Ooh. Mm.